Welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast with your host, Chris Anderson. In this show, Chris and his guests will share their knowledge and experience on how to go from zero to successful entrepreneur. They have built their businesses from scratch and are now ready to give back to those who are just starting. Let's get ready to learn, grow, and elevate our businesses. And now your host, Chris Anderson. All right, welcome back to another recording of the Elevate Media Podcast. I'm Chris Anderson, your host. Today, we're going to be diving into a topic that I am very unfamiliar with. And so I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to get some questions answered and just glean a lot of insight and knowledge from our guests today. So he's going to dive into a little bit about game theory and how we can improve our profits with our production and just overall utilize what's out there with technology. So I'm excited to have Noah Healy on the show today. And again, he's an expert in this in mathematics and, and game theory. And Nathan, let's just jump into it. Welcome to, or excuse me, Noah, let's just dive into it. Welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Like I said, this is a new world for me. So let's start off for those who might not know who you are. Give a little overview of who Noah is and what you do. Sure. Noah Healy. And I do algorithmic design and basically computational mathematics. So that gets into figuring out how to make computers more effective at what they're doing. Things like sorting, searching, storage, those kinds of things are pretty well-established algorithms at this point. So you can just take those off the shelf. But as you come to more and more sophisticated types of applications, there's ways to do them that are much faster and ways that do them that are much slower, ways to do them that are much more effective, ways that do them much less effective. In particular, where my expertise with game theory is starting to become highly relevant is that now that AI is catching up to people's darkest fears, we get into the what's sometimes known as the alignment problem, where it's actually relatively difficult to get an AI system to do what you want it to do. And that's actually part and parcel of the same fact that it's actually hard to get a human being to do what you want them to do. And so that's where game theory steps in. Game theory, I mentioned this to you before the call, but game theory is the mathematics of strategy. And so what it allows us to do is design algorithms that will achieve outcomes based on the interests and or hidden activities or whatever of the agents involved. So that's the kind of thing where you can actually plug in AI to a system that will then be able to utilize that in a productive way versus just being a toy or something that a person is arguing with and might be getting value out of for a little while. But then there was the case of the attorney that had that had it generate case law and it didn't have it in there. So it just made it up and the attorney oh. didn't check. There was another story a couple of weeks ago where the military was testing a automated defense or drone-like targeting mechanism. And the this was not in the real world, but basically it was like a computer game playing a computer game with a human monitor. And the, the computer that was trying to learn how to play this computer game was getting points, would get points for destroying the target. But the human monitor was supposed to be the overview where it was supposed to be allowed within a scenario to send out signals to stop it if for strategic reasons, okay. the thing wasn't supposed to be destroyed. 
So the computer figures out that the major bar to it not getting points is Radio Shack telling it that it's not allowed to target it. So it would start bombing the operator, wipe them out first. First, so, so then get points. Not, not to win. What? And this is where we're headed in real life. Actually, yeah, it's very easy just using colloquial language to underspecify. And this shows up. There are significantly worse examples coming out of the real world where in bureaucratic systems, people will just say what they're supposed to say in regardless of what reality is. Solzhenitsyn wrote extensively about this of behavior in the Soviet Union. There's a passage in one of his books. There's a factory and they're located downriver from a logging camp and they're supposed to build, I think it was furniture. And the logs come down, except the logs don't come down. The report that the logs came down comes down, but the logging camp isn't working either. And so they're filing the paperwork that they did their job, but they're not doing their job. So now the guy running the factory is, I can't build stuff without wood, but if I don't file the reports that I build stuff, I'm going to get shot or sent mm -hmm. to Siberia. So he files the paperwork that everything mm. is getting built, in spite of the fact that there's no wood. And then the trucks show up to carry the furniture to where it's supposed to go. And oh, they file the paperwork. So these trucks are driving across <laughs> Russia empty for work saying that they're full. Oh, wow. So that's crazy. And I think it ties into AI because... I think AI, all that, they'll outlearn us. They'll be able to outthink us and do things like that. But they learn from us too, which is scary. The regard you just mentioned. And so how does this game theory in the business world, how does it coincide? How can entrepreneurs look at game theory to improve their, their processes, their business, the outcomes that they get? There's a handful of sort of basic games that have been developed to help people ease their way in, and they have little stories attached to them to help people understand what's going on. And the four central ones are all two-player games where people have sort of two choices, and they are the stag hunt, the battle of the sexes, prisoner's dilemma, and chicken. And two of these games, the first two, are coordination or cooperative games. Mm -hmm. And that's where, that's what my company is based on is that markets are coordination games. Markets work because people are coming together. But just because people are coming together, that doesn't mean that they have unified interests. They don't all want mm -hmm. the same thing. They all want everyone to want the same thing. But what that thing is could be different between them. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Battle of the Sexes game comes in. That notion is two people are going to go on a date. They don't know which venue they're going to go to. They're each going to independently leave and go to either the ball game or the opera. They'd rather be together, but they'd rather be, the guy would rather be at the ball game and the girl would rather be at the opera. And this brings up the first odd thing that game theory teaches us, which mm. is that in a cooperative environment, restricting your own choices can actually lead to better outcomes. Mm. So... If the girl arranges for the guy to know that she's allergic to peanuts and will never be able to go to the ball game, and therefore he knows that she'll be at the opera, his game now devolves to, I'm going to go to one of the two and I don't know where she's going to be, to I'm going to go to the ball game by myself or go to the 
date with my girl at the opera. I want to be on a date, so I'm going to the opera. And a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we focus on flexibility, strategic options, keeping things available. Actually, having not just a code of conduct, but a public code of conduct that you build up a reputation around and people know what you're going to do means that in these cooperative scenarios, when you're going to be behaving in ways that are in your interests, which is perfectly fine, people are going to know that. And when their interests coincide with agreeing with you, then suddenly the advantage for them will be to agree with you in ways that, that benefit you. And so there's, a, there's an advantage that comes out there from those sorts of... Interesting. So how could someone, what would be the first step of just creating that code of contact, that system that is out there? Well, standard and useful codes of conduct are ethical systems. So obviously mm-hmm. that's, a, that, that's a pretty straightforward thing to do. One of the sort of naive things that comes out is that sort of evil has an advantage over good because evil can do whatever they want and good can only do good things. But this sort of shows off the fact that If you're in a situation where coordination is a value, the fact that you can do anything is actually a disadvantage. And (laughs) since most of the good things that happen as a result of working together or being part of a broader group or culture, that's why, in general, historically speaking, good keeps triumphing. Because the ability to operate within systems where you have that collateral advantage is greater than simply the ability to win one-on-one scenarios that you get yourself into. Interesting. So can you dive in now a little bit more and explain the benefit of that? That's That actually leads directly into how my technology works. Okay. The existing marketplace offers total strategic freedom. One of the interesting mm-hmm. things about the futures and options scenario is that you can essentially design any trading strategy that you can imagine as what you're doing, which means that when people are trading in the marketplace, they don't simply have to try to work out what's best for their company. They also need to work out what counter strategies may exist or be being employed and what sort of strategy they would need to deploy in order to survive those counter strategies. And in many of those kinds of situations, you wind up in a leveling game where, like at a poker table, like, I think that you're bluffing, but then do I behave in a way that reveals that to you, maybe I know that you're bluffing, but then you might be pretending to, and that's a, that's an infra progression that can go on forever. Mm, Yeah. So where my system steps in is it divides out the strategy of pricing from the sort of activity and delivery instead of having buyers and sellers where people are making proposals in an attempt to find counterparties. And then if a counterparty happens to show up, their proposal is accepted. Instead, there's a paramutual system of people contributing towards a sequence of common deals. So what What's the price going to be tomorrow? What's the price going to be the day after tomorrow? What's the price going to be next week or next month or for the next five years and by day? And so what then happens is 
these deals are presented to the marketplace and people decide, oh, that looks like a pretty good deal. I would like to be on the buy side of that deal, or I would like to be on the sell side of that deal for this much. And because this deal is being presented in common across the entire marketplace, multiple people can come in on the buys and sell sides. And that gives you your pool of players, gives you the sort of liquidity and stability that just in case, you know, your specific counterparty gets a flat tire or just did the math wrong or something like that's not going to harm you very much because there's a pool of counterparties that you're actually trading. And by structuring things in this way with three distinct roles that have the characteristic that they are all cooperating with each other, we can now plug self-interested competitive agents into collectives of each of these roles. So people Hmm. that you don't know and who might have whatever reason for doing whatever they're doing can still be rewarded for the degree to which they're helping you and punished for the degree to which they're hurting you. And then that system becomes something that AIs can profitably be added to. If people can come up with systems that can predict what the future price schemes should look like better than other people, then they can plug that system in and cause the entire marketplace to become more efficient, more safe, higher profitability, because the alignment, what that AI is trying to maximize its own income and the benefit across the broader marketplace have now come into sync because you've designed hmm. it. And so that's that works for people, but it also works for these even harder to deal with AI systems that are coming online. And is in contrast, AI systems have been coming on the line in the existing marketplace for decades now. And the result has largely been the markets becoming much less stable over over time. And we can see that incidents like long-term capital management's crash in 97, the dot-com boom, the global financial crisis, the late unpleasantness with bank failures across the US, even the 87 flash crash are all instances of basically algorithmic trading or other sorts of artificial products blowing up, taking over the marketplace and the market essentially being unable to cope with that kind of signal because the strategic structure is essentially using the notion that there should be roughly equal amounts of information on the buy and sell sides. And what we've actually done is created strategic situations that are so complex, people don't really know what's going on. And that creates the asymmetry that allows for very high rates of return for whoever is causing the asymmetry. But that in itself is actually diminishing the utility of the marketplace in general of stabilizing and planning our economy for us, which is what we're actually paying it to do. Wow. So do you think there's still a gap then, I would say, in how we're using AI with game theory? Am I understanding that right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. This particular phase of AI is in pretty early stages. There's been actually quite a few fairly fundamental advances over the last decade or so that have really kicked AI to a much higher level, not least of which is the ongoing improvement in processor density and speeds, meaning that this sort of neural net style idea, which has been around for quite some time, the 60s, maybe in the late 50s, the like 
synaptotron or something like that was first proposed. But when you're talking about the processor of a pocket calculator, there's only so many of those calculations you can do. So developments to to make those calculations radically more efficient, to have just a lot more computer hardware in order to carry them out, have really changed the game. But also, there's been other sorts of changes in how we actually do the training. In early days, it could learn from people, but since it needs examples, human beings would have to provide perhaps more examples than it would be practical for us to do in our own lifetime. Various kinds of reinforcement learning and other kinds of training designs have been created to allow the systems to take simple rule sets and train themselves up on those rule sets. And that that greatly accelerated the rate at which these developments happen. That that essentially redefined how game AI works. Before this development, computers were better than people at chess, but they they were they were significantly better, but the way they played was so different from the way we played. There was limited utility in learning from the machine how to play chess better. Since then, not only have they become fantastically better than we are at chess, <laughs> but they're also getting at an insane rate of speed. And the way they now play chess is a mechanism that in some ways is providing new insights into the game. There are people who can watch the computer games and abstract new principles about chess that our best chess players are good enough to add to their style of game and make themselves better at chess as well. So there's this kind of bootstrapping effect where not only can it bootstrap itself and teach itself to be better and better, but the way that it's learning how to play now is something that we can latch on to. And while it is indeed pulling away from us, it's also pulling us incrementally forward. And this is not just happening in chess. Go, poker, other games are experiencing these renaissances where human beings are no longer capable of producing top-end play, but computers are producing super top-end play in ways that top-end players can actually improve their own games by seeing new ideas or imputing ideaness to new things that they're seeing, patterns of. It's that, and that's a crazy thing. I think about the future, what it looks like, and with all this technology, and you know, hopefully it's peaceful and not like a, an iRobot type thing or something. <laughs> but The thing <laughs> I'd like to say is that our AIs are not quite so dangerous in sort of the Skynet Frankenstein robot, which the movie and the book are, they bought the title of the book and slapped it onto a completely different story, mm-hmm. essentially. But they're not dangerous so much in those senses. They're more dangerous in the sense that if you, if we built cars without exhaust systems, and so we were venting nitrogen dioxide and carbon monoxide into the cabin, driving would kill us. Yeah. And we don't really have a good handle on what the waste stream of an information system looks like. And we have a culture where the only kinds of systems that could produce culturally, socially, financially relevant data streams were 
other human beings. <laughs> and so we don't have any defenses built into our culture for nearly infinite amounts of nonsense to be spewed forth. And so the danger is less that they're going to wake up and decide that they're better off without us and more that we're going to just start spewing toxic waste into our eyeballs and just live inside that until we, we can't, we can't cope with what's going on. And again, the instability that we see in our financial markets is a direct result of most of the communicating signals not being generated because somebody actually wants that financial activity to occur. So they're pulling the puppet strings. Is that right? No, it's more of a noise situation. Okay. Um, okay. So if you go to a concert, it's because you want to hear what's going on. If you go to a movie, it's you're, you want to be entertained. Mm -hmm. If you go to a political rally or a marketplace, it's because you want to experience those types of things. And we have a society where communication is critical. And so we have financial markets or political rallies or church or mm -hmm. other social cultural forums for these things to happen. But we have Twitter and Facebook and Google and hedge funds that have co-located supercomputers that are measured light speed distances away from yeah. the core and all these other things. And what they're doing is it's not the person next to you at the theater whose phone rings. It's the person next to you at the theater who has assembled like six million wall of sound style, like 60s rock band things and a laser show. And they want you to be looking at whatever they want you to be looking at. And there's another million people that also want that. And they're all simultaneously trying to add insert in the experience that you actually went to go buy and pay for. Interesting. Uh, and that's what we don't have a defense mechanism against. So almost there, it's just getting too much information input into it to, to figure out. So it's get distracted kind of thing. Like my yeah. mind went to whenever they're trying to take down this robot or this electric system, they just input a bunch of data and they overwhelm it kind of thing. And it short circuits or whatever. There's nothing special about the robot in that respect. Okay. You work the same way. Mm -hmm. This was, this was, I believe, essentially discovered during the Korean War with fighter pilots. Okay. As airplane technology progressed, they basically put more and more things in the cockpit to give the person control over the entire airplane. And so as the jet age and the jet age dogfighting happened, we hit the top end of human attention, even for people who are specifically selected and trained for being very good at that kind of thing. And there were incidents that occurred where people were getting instructions from like over the radio from the ground saying, hey, you know, you have to do X, Y, or Z. And they ignored them. Mm. And it wasn't just one person. This happened a lot. Mm. And so they started looking into it. Like, do pilots' radios short out while they're dogfighting? Is this message actually getting through? Is the pilot actually just ignoring it? Like, the, 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 this is important. They're not paying attention. It turns out that actually, once the brain gets highly focused and is prioritizing and has more incoming signals than it can cope with, it starts sorting out and deciding what's important to pay attention to, what isn't important to pay attention to. And it stops processing into your consciousness 
some of your inputs. Okay. You're in a life or death situation. You can't smell anymore because your hmm. brains, you need to see this guy with a knife that's coming at you. And the fact that we're in a junkyard, I don't care like what things smell like anymore. Right. We're, we need to know where this guy is at all times. Okay. And so what was happening was pilots' ears were turning off and they literally couldn't hear anymore because they had so many signals and controls to be paying attention to that that their brain was just like, I don't have time for heard sound. Interesting. So I'm not going to do that. It's uh, almost like on a smaller scale, and I'm not a, I don't, if I get super focused on something and someone tries to talk to me, like I hear them per se, but I don't necessarily understand or register what they're saying because I'm so focused on the task kind of thing. Absolutely. Okay. And so that's where, we have societies that have evolved to deal with sort of human levels of con artistry. And we're not that great at it, obviously. But everything that everybody says isn't only lies. And that a lot of that has come down to the fact that we've developed various protocols like science or ignoring people who BS constantly and stuff like that. Thank you to Noah Healy for being on the Elevate Media podcast. To learn more about AI and game theory, connect with Noah on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Media Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. See you in the next episode.